This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We are announcing our intention to prohibit the inclusion of Huawei and ZTE's products and services in Canada's telecommunications systems. This follows a full review by our security agencies and in consultation with our closest allies. Canada's Innovation Science and Industry Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne making the announcement yesterday that um, Huawei and uh, ZTE would be banned from Canada's telecommunications network. Um, actually makes us the last of the Five Eyes Alliance, you know, the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, all four Uh, besides Canada, had made this decision some time ago. It took years for Canada to get here. Although, by all accounts, most people thought eventually we would. It just took a lot longer than we thought. So why did we make the decision? What does it mean? And do we have to be fearful of some sort of retaliation? To walk through all of that, we have Gordon Holden joining us now. Uh, Gordon is Director Emeritus of the China Institute, Professor of Political Science, and an adjunct professor of the Alberta School of Business at the University of Alberta. And if you ask me, the best China expert you can find. Gordon, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so the decision, it took us years. Why were we so far behind, Gordon, in saying Huawei can't operate in Canada? Well, there was a a combination of of reasons, I believe. It was complicated. A lot of things are. Uh, To begin with, two separate agencies came to different conclusions. CSIS was against Huawei probably from the get-go, and I'm pretty confident it was um, advocating its exclusion from any Canadian networks. On the other hand, CSC, the Canadian Security Establishment um, uh, Agency, um, said that they thought the risk could be managed. So they had to sort out internally those those two differing opinions. Secondly, um, and but it took a while, but once we got into the two Michael situation as well, then I think there was a concern on the part of government to not take that step at a time when it might affect the prospects for freedom for the two Michaels of reaching some sort mm-hmm. of deal. Those are the reasons. Now, whether that was good policy or not is another question, but I think those are the reasons. And I think perhaps a residual idea to not deepen the bad relationship with China. But now we have this decision, ironically, just a day after uh, China lifted finally the ban on two canola, canola companies yeah. that were trading into China. Um, so when we take a look at this, there was immense pressure from our allies to go ahead and get this done. What's the risk? Why have the alliance, uh, has the alliance said, you know what, we're not letting you operate in our territory? What is the risk that people, I mean, it's surveillance, right? It's surveillance, and I, I think these are tremendously complicated issues. However, and for some time, the government, for example, has not allowed um, suppliers such as Huawei or, or ZTE to put in um, equipment is a government uh, government network, government networks, that is. But there is a concern as with 5G and as these systems and the degree of of um, reliance on the Internet and on, on uh, telecom equipment increases exponentially over time, that there would be opportunities for China or for Chinese intelligence agencies to either gather information or even perhaps in a time of crisis to take steps that might impede 
normal functioning of our electronic system. So these are background concerns, uh, but they're real. So the five eyes, they uh, are closest allies. Uh, four of them had had taken this step. They were also not do it. Didn't do this all at the same time. Europe, the rest of Europe's all over the map. Some having virtually no restrictions on using Huawei. Others have varying levels of restrictions, such as as France and Germany. But I think this was probably inevitable. It just seemed to take a very long time uh, to reach decision. I've given some reasons why, but it still is a little bit puzzling that we have been out of step with our allies for so long. Now, the question now, and a lot of people talking about this, of course, is, okay, what happens next? Now we're going to get some retaliation from China. Some people say, no, they're not going to do anything. Where, where do you fall on that? What can we expect in response from the Chinese government? Well, certainly uh, there will be in our expressions of unhappiness over the decision. Yeah. However, I actually think in this instance, at the point of time where we are right now, China had already probably come to the conclusion that this was going to be the decision that was coming down the tubes. Our major telecom uh, telecom providers had already, just by the non-decision, forced to use other equipment uh, from countries such as Ericsson uh, or Nokia. And, and so the, I think the, the writing was on the wall. Uh, as well, with the two Michaels and Meng Wanzhou now out of the picture, well, I think those memories still linger, but out of the picture, China has been engaged in a low-key effort to improve the relationship. Uh, I think that uh, the canola decision was part of that, although they're also for economic reasons for China to do so. So I think that the prospects of serious retaliation other than, than complaints um, are, are fairly modest. I think that this this has been something already baked in in Chinese thinking. They knew this was coming, perhaps not when. They might have hoped that it wouldn't come. But I think now I, I would be surprised to see major retaliation. Now, it certainly won't help. If you're a Canadian company trying to get a contract with a, a province in China, this won't help, certainly. But I don't see major retaliation at this point, at least while China's trying to improve the relationship. Yeah, so the minister was asked yesterday, what about security of Canadians in China or Chinese or Canadian businesses in China? You don't see any risk to Canadian citizens in China like we saw with, you know, the two Michaels or anything like that just being plucked off the street. Well, I've got, one can never know for sure. Yeah. And uh, uh, my, my crystal ball is usually pretty cloudy. Uh, however, um, I don't think that the two Michael situation worked out particularly well for China. At any point in that long, drawn-out, three-year-long struggle, they could have arrested many more. We've got probably, at times, 50,000 Canadians in the, in the mainland, another 300,000 in Hong Kong. They could have uh, upped the ante and arrested 100, 200, whatever. The options were always there. In fact, they didn't, I think, telegraph to me that this wasn't working as they might have hoped. I think they hoped that this would lead to a quick resolution. Meng Wanzhou would be sent back straight mm-hmm. away didn't happen. So I'm not sure they're going to turn to that. Now, having said that, there's very few Canadians traveling to China now, of course, um, but there are many resident there. Uh, It's always prudent to make sure you're following local regulations assiduously. It's good advice anywhere abroad, but it's especially good advice in, in China. Uh, while I've got you, last question. Uh, China, I think, in a lot of ways, is seen as something of a wild card with this Ukraine-Russia situation. Where are they? What are they doing in the background? What, what's your take on China's role in what's going on in Ukraine right now? Well, no, clearly, China's sympathies are with Russia. Um, however, I think that they were taken aback by the scale of the, of the Russian attack, by the 
ambitions of the Russian attack, that is, conquering or attempting to conquer most of Ukraine, including its capital, uh, they are themselves uh, nervous about um, sanctions that might affect them. So as to my knowledge, China has not been supplying weapons. They continue to trade, of course, and they're getting uh, hydrocarbons, oil and gas at um, probably bargain rates at this point because Russia is rather desperate for, for revenue. They're still operating there, but many Chinese firms have ceased operating because they are, including actually Huawei, from my understanding. They're afraid if they trade now with Russia, they're going to get caught up in a, in a sanctions mess, and they've got bigger fish to fry. They operate all over the world. So, so far, at least, China has been, while sympathetic to Russia, um, has not been aiding the war effort. Right. And for the time being, I think that will stay. Gordon, always uh, incredible insight. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it.